1: This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Monday, June 13th, the Fuck You Fours edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mother to Naima, who is nine and we live in Los Angeles.
0: I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's eight, and Teddy, who's five. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado.
2: I'm Zach Rosen. I make the best advice show podcast. I live in Detroit with my family. My daughter Noah is four and my son Ami is one.
1: Today on the show, we are tackling a letter from a dad who is fed up with his four year old in a moment of particular frustration. He spanked her and now doesn't know what to do. Don't you worry, dad. We're here to take over. But before we get into that, we're going to dive into our mailbag. You all had so many great recommendations to share with us this week, and we're going to share a few of them with you. One of you writes,
3: Dear Mom and Dad, a while back, you all were talking about transitioning from little kid music to something a little bit less abrasive to grown-up ears. I wanted to put in a plug for a well-curated jazz playlist. I found a few on Spotify that feature fun jazz classics that are catchy and appropriate for the littles. Not heady jazz, for sure, but at least it's not 900 versions of the wheels on the bus. Or is that just the story of my life?
1: Someone else writes.
3: Hi, everyone. I've been meaning to write for a while to recommend my daughter's absolute favorite podcast to you all. It's called Stoop Kids, and we just attended a live event with the host, Melissa Victor. And it was just so fun and great. And I feel like you, your listeners, would love the show.
1: Thank you so much for the suggestions. Have you all heard of Stoop Kids?
2: No.
0: I had not. No. Jeff um, is a big fan of jazz. And I hadn't really thought of <laughs> introducing the kid. Like sometimes it'll be on when he's cooking and the kids listen. But like looking for a really good playlist of that just to expand our musical repertoire.
1: Naima goes to sleep to jazz. Oh.
0: Ooh. Yeah.
1: It's been great. And we always start with the song Naima by John Coltrane. Um, and she's usually out before it goes off. But I put on the This Is John Coltrane playlist on Spotify and skip the tempo stuff. And it's great.
0: All right. I'm going to give it a try.
2: Amazing.
1: It's
0: jazz night tonight.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> jazz great for sleep.
0: Thank you, letter writers, readers,
1: listeners, rather. If you have any thoughts, suggestions, or recommendations of your own fellow listeners, let us know. Email us at momandadatslate.com, or you can send us over a voice memo, and you just might hear it on the show. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get into today's listener question. All right, we're back. Shall we hear this listener question? Why not? It's being read, as always, by the fabulous Shasha Lannard.
3: Dear Mom and Dad, I swatted my daughter's butt tonight. She's four, and I've never used any form of corporal punishment before. I was cooking, and she came in from playing outside and wanted to dip her finger in the food. I said, no, your fingers are dirty. And she did it anyway. I let that go, and I told her to wash her hands. Instead she slowly started to dip again, looking at me as she did it. I pushed her hand away and said, no one wants your dirty hands in their food, now please stop. And again, she slowly dipped it in. So I swatted her butt. Not hard, nothing bruise-worthy, but the first time I've ever done it. We're having real problems getting our daughter to listen. Sometimes it's not that consequential, but Sometimes it's holding hands in a busy parking lot or not dragging her 11-month-old brother around by his feet or just about anything. And then Uvalde happened, and I've been breaking down in tears, thinking about what would happen if her daycare became the next school shooting, especially if she doesn't listen to her teachers. I keep coming back to Elizabeth's fuck-you-fours, and this feels exactly like that. She has to push every boundary, test every request or demand we give her, And generally, she's a sweet girl that loves her family and is great at sharing and making friends. And I love her so much, which is probably why I feel so guilty and this hurts so bad. And of course, this happened while my mother-in-law was visiting, so I'm sure I'm being completely judged as an abusive, terrible father. I don't plan to ever do this again, but I also didn't plan this. I just don't know how to get her to listen, especially when things are important. More important than dipping a finger in pizza dough. I don't know if I'm a terrible father or if my baby girl will hold on to this moment forever. I feel guilty and hurt and afraid that she will choose not to listen at the wrong time. Help. Sincerely, fed up with the fuck you fours.
0: You know, this letter, I, it so speaks to my heart because we've all been there. Like, we've all lost our cool, whether you have yelled or spanked or done something that you wish you hadn't done. So I think the first thing is... Apologize, apologize, apologize. The problem with spanking and yelling and all of that is that it it loses the trust of your child. And what you're trying to do here is build up the trust and be the adult when the child is being the child, right? And if you, in turn, act like a four-year-old and hit them or, you know, scream at them, you are not being the adult. So I think the first thing that this dad needs to do is just apologize for the spanking and explain specifically why it was wrong. You know, I lost my temper and we should not hit when we lose our temper, no matter how much, you know, I I think we have that tendency to say, but I'm worried that you won't listen in this specific event because all you have, they can't hear that. So I think first repair the damage, uh, which is just, I I should never hit. We should never hit. I need to set a better example for you on how to be a, a good listener. I think also you are you are putting so much weight on the idea that this four-year-old won't listen in a moment of safety. And in general, I think kids do listen. Like I just think of myself of how many times in parking lot behavior, I ask the kids to do certain things. They mostly listen, but the dozen times or so that I have like, there has been a car coming and I have used that, that tone of voice that can only be used in danger or The couple times where I've given instructions like quickly and quietly, they have always listened. So I think you just have to count on that relationship being that moment and not think that, you know, your child listening in a classroom or in a dangerous situation isn't all the same as listening about the pizza dough because you're just putting too much pressure on yourself.
2: Yeah, I just want to reiterate that just the power of modeling the apology is just so huge and you're going to. Gain so much trust from your kid by being that failable parent and and just coming forward and saying, I'm sorry. And I think they're also gonna learn to apologize through that. Um, And accepting an apology is also a huge part of it. Once they see that you are truly grateful for their acceptance of the apology, I think that's a big thing too. That's the first thing. And I also don't think it's a coincidence that your kid was being kind of extra saucy while the grandparent was visiting. These kids know what they're doing, even if they uh, don't consciously. So, yeah, start with the apology and and really kind of try to feel it. Because you're, obviously, you feel terrible. And just letting your daughter know that is great.
1: I co-sign triple three-way cosine on the power of the apology and how important it is to like just normalizing apologizing to your children on a regular basis and not making it a conditional apology. I'm sorry, but you know, separating what you've done wrong from what they've done wrong so they can take in both pieces of information. Um, as far as your child's behavior goes Believe it or not, the words that you are saying are going to have an impact. It's just not going to be an immediate impact. So, over time, this does get better. You know, like they will get better at impulse control and at listening to your instructions and understanding that we can't run in a parking lot, or we don't dip dirty fingers in the pizza dough. It improves, you know, it just takes time and it's going to take a lot of patience from you, unfortunately, which can be difficult to summon at times, but you know, focus on talking to your child about why the thing that they're doing is wrong. You know, um, and helping them to understand that. So it's not just a matter of I'm nagging you for nagging's sake, or I'm denying you this great pleasure. You know that you'd like to have just because that's what grown ups do to kids—we deny them pleasure. It's like no, you have to understand. That the pizza's not going to taste as good and we could maybe get some germs and get somebody sick with your nasty little fingers in there. You know, that that is just part of what you have to know. That doesn't mean that they'll never do something like that again. Also, how far away from you? You know, I'm surprised that before it got to a swat, you didn't just grab those little fingers. Because that's something that you can do, too, that it is physical, but it's not hitting. You know, it's like stop the activity. Take your hand and put your hand over their hand and stop them. You know, we don't do this.
0: Or just that should have been the end of the pizza making. Like four-year-olds do really well with very clear boundaries. So we were doing this fun thing together. You didn't listen to me. We can't do this fun thing together anymore. I find the whole value of calling it the fuck you fours (laughs) is that I'm like giving myself that verbal and sort of just reminder that the person I'm dealing with is not an adult and is acting very much as four-year-olds act. And that my expectation that they act any other way is out of place. Right. So like I, I think I I say like, well, that's the fuck you fours, not to dismiss the behavior in that this is something we, you know, like we're never gonna work on this, but to sort of say like it's really normal for your four-year-old to push these boundaries. And so when I see it just saying like, oh, okay, I gave them a little bit too much leeway in this in this situation. So, you know, possible solutions is the next time we make pizza, they have their own pizza dough ball. And I can say things like, if you stick your dirty hands in there, you're the one that's eating that, (laughs) you know, Um, or I just say, you know, we can't, we can't make pizza together because you can't listen. And that's a safety issue. Because that's the other thing I think with kids with spanking or taking away, especially these little ones, electronics or, or something like that. The consequence is too far removed from from what happened for them to really understand, which is part of how they get this idea that like, well, you just take my joy, you know. Like parents are the people that do this, as opposed to saying, like Jamila said, no, the reason I have to do this is X, and because you're not listening, this is the natural the natural consequence. I think too, though, again, the apology, but it's temporary. Jamila is totally right; they do learn, they do get to be better listeners, not perfect listeners but better listeners. Um, And sometimes also as a parent, we have to be okay with, I'm not a perfect parent. I made a mistake. I apologize. And we're all going to move forward from this moment because there's just so many moments where you're human too and your emotions get, you know, you're thinking all this stuff in your head and it just gets completely overwhelming um so also allowing yourself the ability to move forward and do better next time
2: and one last thing as we kind of explain to our kids why they can't do the thing um just demonstrating why it's not an arbitrary rule we're setting forth you could like later on show your daughter a video about like you know an age-appropriate video about like how bacteria is formed or how germs spread just to really like make it you know turn it into a learning moment and just again just to be like see it's not like i want you to have fun but i don't want you know bacteria to spread in our food and here's a cool video about it yeah
0: order a couple of those um petri dishes the agar plates off of amazon and let your kids push their fingers into them if you haven't done that at home you can get it really cheap it's totally disgusting but it'll get your kids to wash their hands
1: Ah, well fed up. We hope that this helps. And everyone else, do you have someone you want us to yell at, some problem you want us to solve? Email us at at slate.com.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: And with that, it's time for some recommendations. Zach, what do you have for us this week?
2: Many mornings of the week Noah will have a, a toaster waffle, and I'm usually the one controlling the syrup the maple syrup I'm the one who pours it because you know my thinking is like oh if she pours it she'll just pour the whole thing and then today I don't even know why I decided today was the day but I was like Noah you can pour it today and just I just said don't pour too much and sure enough she poured a moderate amount of syrup and I felt like I was giving my daughter power today in a way she hasn't had it before and I realized that I don't need to try to control everything. This girl has learned some things. She doesn't she doesn't want to waffle swimming in syrup. I was so proud and it it just seemed like a metaphor for something about, you know, me not needing to hold on so tight and her being able to make decisions for herself. So I recommend letting your kids d- depending on their age um determine how much syrup they should put on their breakfast.
0: I love it. We want to hear your syrup stories. <laughs> I have like a very homeschooly recommendation, but this time of year I I feel like people ask me a lot, like, what, you know, we want to keep up with math, or we want to keep up with this, what can we do? And we, um, for the summer, have been using Beast Academy Math, which is this really cool math program that uses comic books. And so the guidebook is sort of this full color comic book, and it focuses more on that executive functioning. This works really well with my uh, middle child who has ADHD, and is just fine tuning some of those skills that he has, like he's good at addition and subtraction, but has a really hard time when it's applied in word problems and kind of seeing how all that goes together. And this is a really nice way to focus that. And I'm really enjoying it because he likes to sit down and read it. There is a practice book, but I'm really liking there's a puzzle book that kind of has brain teasers and is a bit more fun than kind of the practice book. I think the real gold here are these what they call guidebook, which is a full color comic book about math.
1: Well, I have a book recommendation. Uh, It's called America Goddamn Violence, Black Women, and the Struggle for Justice. It's by Treva Lindsay. It came out in April. Um, And it's just an incredible, comprehensive look at how uh, racism and misogyny and capitalism impact Black women and girls. You know, I think that in general broad conversations about racism oftentimes focused on the experiences of men and boys um there's, you know, so much talk about Black life centers around police violence, which is something that we identify primarily with men and boys. And there's just so much that Black women and girls are up against in the worlds around us. And I think this book just does a really great job at analyzing those sources of violence and offering a way forward. So really brilliant book. I posted it on my Instagram the other day, I can't stop telling people about it America Goddamn by the lovely Treva Lindsay
2: great I feel like your piece on Chappelle Dave Chappelle's big lie from Vanity Fair is kind of adjacent reading to this
1: thank you I would yes thank you I would say so appreciate that and with that that is our show but don't you worry we'll be back in your feeds on Thursday so make sure you subscribe and don't miss it And if you rely on this show for parenting advice, consider signing up for Slate Plus. It's the best way to support the show. Members will never hear another ad on this or any other Slate podcast. All you have to do to sign up is go to slate.com slash momanddadplus. Again, that's slate.com slash momanddadplus. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Jasmine Ellis, Christy Taiwo Macanjula, and Rosemary Belson.